Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Earliest Edit with me, Adam, and uh, Laura. Uh, Laura, how have you been last couple of weeks? Hi, Adam. I'm all good, thank you. Um, if I do um, sound a little bit ill, that's because I am, but I am fine. So um, I'm sorry that my voice is a little bit like nasally. <laughs> No, no problem. So after the uh, discussion on the last episode about the uh, new Ofsted framework and what inspectors really want to know, we thought that we might look and explore the why and and the curriculum and the importance of that. Um, So firstly, what does curriculum mean to us? Well, obviously, it's a whole idea and it's a really big idea, isn't it? I think, and I think certainly from my point of view and, and speaking to a lot of staff when when you start talking to them about curriculum I think you can feel quite scared because even mm-hmm. though it's something that we've we've always done and we've all we've always maybe not thought about in a sense of, of thinking about the word curriculum yeah I think curriculum is another one of those words a little bit like pedagogy where um it suddenly come into the forefront and we've had very little sort of training around it or or the need to use the words because they haven't been words that we've used but we've definitely been doing them so we definitely all have a pedagogy we definitely all have a curriculum so i think that um even though people are a little bit like what does this new thing mean about having a curriculum you are already doing it so i think this episode's going to be a great way to sort of unpick that word and unpick how what our curriculums look like and what that means yeah hopefully yeah like I say it's one of those buzz phrases isn't it and and i think it's important you know the the conversations i've been having when we were doing it at work especially like when you mentioned about ofsted as well when you when you think about it, someone you go up to somebody and say what's your curriculum then it's like you can feel like a rabbit in the headlights can't you and be like wow like like what you know what does that mean and it's so big and obviously with the new development matters it does make it it does make it clear what the curriculum is especially if you look at all the reading around that but it is so big and I think it it does encompass absolutely everything in your setting um and you know, your resources and your layout and how you use them and how the children interact with them and how the adults interact with them and how the adults and children interact together and, and all of that. So it's trying to break it yeah. down a little bit, I think. And it's about using... it. it it's about not getting carried away, I think, because what I've seen a lot of people, um, when they've discussed curriculum, I'm on quite a few Facebook pages, one of them being um, the Early Years Adopter Group, um and one of the sort of paths some people have taken is to have written up uh, like long-term plans medium-term plans short-term plans and focused on planning a curriculum and putting it onto paper and I don't really think that that is necessary so just for anybody who didn't listen to the previous podcast about my experience with Ofsted, one of the things that she said to me on the phone call um, the day before, you know, when you get that dreaded call, is she said, I'm going to ask you about your curriculum tomorrow and I don't want you to go off on a big tangent or show me any paperwork. What I'm asking you is, what do you do and why do you do it? And, and that is your curriculum, essentially. So when we went into each room, it was what 
what do you do in this room? So I talked about how the baby room was set up with everything on a low level, with lots of um, resources for schematic play, because that's, you know, the way that children develop at such a young age. And we talked about how we have sensory play because they learn through the senses. And that was what I did. And I did that because that's like based on my knowledge of child development for that age group. And that pretty much satisfied her that that was our curriculum within that room. Um, we didn't need any sort of deeper plans or, or longer term plans. Um, and obviously I talked about how it was all about the prime areas for, for the under twos, making sure that they've got those completely underpinned before we even go on to um, the other areas of learning. So it is very much what you're already doing and what you already know. Um, and she did very much put me at ease when she said that. So, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed for everybody else, you get somebody who says a similar thing. But she basically just put it down as she wants to know what you do and why you're doing it. Yeah, that's a really important point. I think there's, you know, the conversations, again, that I've been having, I've been very much around, like, do we document it? Do we write it down? You know, how well, what do we cover in it? How detailed is it? You know, when you've got a wide age group, you know, be it in a room, be it across a nursery, be it, you know, in, in reception, when you, how how are you going to encompass every child in that? Because obviously the, the important thing is that the, your curriculum has to be suitable for every child. And it is, like say, the, the more general idea of, of, of what you're wanting the children to achieve. And, and I think that, you know, I've so, certainly had conversation with people where they're like, but have you written it down? When you've written it down, will you send it to me and show me? And it's like, yeah. well, actually, uh, you, you can write it down if you want, but I'm not sure how worthwhile it's going to be because, and also the t it's the, the sheer time it will take, I think, as well. And the whole idea of, of your curriculum when, you, you know, you move through children, you move through cohorts of children groups is that it will change to reflect what, what they need. So it would, it's a, it would be a working document anyway. Yeah. And I think that um, on some level, I do think that it's good to have the word curriculum and for people to unpick that word and to think about their setting because I think that what it does is it brings the early years to a little bit of a you know higher level um obviously we know that early years practitioners um you know have to be very skilled to understand child development but it upskills the whole workforce because it means that managers aren't there typing away a curriculum that they will then show to Ofsted it means that they need to be continually um you know training staff and building up their knowledge so that they are able to understand what curriculum means in the early years and I think that we also need to point out that we're not trying to make it like mini school so you don't need a curriculum that reflects like a mini school so we, we're going to learn about these this and this and, and and do it in a very um form formula i uh, can't think of the word like formulaic is that a word formulaic uh, you may have just made it <laughs> well you know <laughs> we're not doing it in a way that's like a step-by-step -step formula yeah, yeah um but it's important to know that there is like a curriculum that underpins everything we do so um but i wouldn't want people to feel scared of that word just really embrace it and, and read about it and learn about it because it's actually what you're already doing. Um, and I think that it's just about looking at a few different approaches to that. Yeah, and also about, you know, under about understanding the sort of progression that, that children make, you know, but again, mm -hmm. be it 
in the room or, or in the setting or, or in the class or, or whatever it is, understanding, you know, that, that children start somewhere and end up somewhere and, and what are, what's the progress that's made in between that and how how does how are you supporting that? How how are you enabling children to make that progress and, and identifying in the moment when when they need that support rather than it like you say it being a formal medium long term plan of of hey we're gonna you know today we're gonna practice this skill tomorrow we're gonna do this skill it's not about that it's about the you know the fluid nature nature of early years and I think if you start breaking it down too much then you can end up a very much is like it used to be where it were where people looked at it as a step by step like you know once you know you were on this step then the the whole idea of the next steps which obviously is something for another time but as as you 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 do it that way rather rather than anything else yeah it's very much about understanding you know because when you go to school um and you've got like a, a a full curriculum obviously you have children going in not that i agree with how we school in the uk but you know just go with it for now um if children miss a day they can miss out on some real core like learning because the teacher is not going to teach that again later on um fair enough i know that they'll go over similar things but in early years you have children who do different days different times it would be virtually impossible to say that you know on monday we do this and then on tuesday we do this then because those same children aren't always in and they also don't develop at the same rate um so obviously it's about understanding what comes next um but it's i think that we need to remember that it's not about children learning the next thing all the time it's about deepening and strengthening their knowledge yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, helping them. You know, I think Julian Grady said, doesn't he, to help them today and prepare them for tomorrow? You know, you you work you're working on the here and now, and you're working on them being improving the skills that they have. And obviously, yes, that will naturally cause progress because because that's that's how you know that's how development works. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to focus on you know because not every every children not every child learns in a you know, a step-by-step way, like you've mentioned it, it can be all at different rates, different paces, all on different tangents, skipping steps and all of that kind of thing. So I think it's important to focus on, on like you say, on a bigger level rather than anything else. Yeah, definitely. And talking of um, Dr. Julian Grenier, he is obviously the head of um, Sheringham Day Nursery, I think it's called. Um and they have put a curriculum document together, which is very interesting. So anybody who's listening who's not seen the document, I will explain it to you. Um, but they have set up sort of, I think it's six or seven things that they expect children to be able to do at the end of leaving nursery. So um, they are... Um, things like follow a recipe to bake bre- uh, to bake a bread roll. That was a tongue teaser then, that was. Um, make a model at the woodwork table, ride a balance bike, sew using a running stitch, and there's, there's others, make up your own story. There's a few others. You can obviously, we'll link it all and you can go and look. And they say that by the end of um, the nursery year, they would expect children to be able to do all of those things. So, um, he 
obviously sorry i'm trying to just make sure that i get this right because i don't want to say anything wrong about it <laughs> um but he talks about how there will be like multiple steps for making a bread roll so when you're making a bread roll before you can even begin to do that you need to have some knowledge of weighing and measuring um you need to you know um pick up different things so it might at the start of the year you might be doing things like weighing flour and that might be something that's available for the children to practice and do and then by the end of the year they should be able to weigh out the flour follow the instructions of the recipe and there's like little steps within it that they would need to be able to learn to do before they can uh, make a you know follow a recipe and make a bread roll independently so I do find that very, I don't know what I think of it, right? So basically, I think that it's a really nice way of um, sort of collating what your curriculum is going to be because that's very simple, isn't it? You want them to make bread roll at the end of the nursery year. And you know that to do that, they're going to have to learn some fine motor skills so that they can mix the ingredients. They're going to have to do all these different things. So throughout the year, you would be, you know, giving them, these opportunities to practice these skills that will then build up to that um but then i'm like i've got a bit of reservation because then i feel like you would always get these practitioners that misunderstand that so for example um children can do lots of different things to build up their fine motor skills but practitioners might be so focused on the fact that at the end of the year they want them to bake a bread roll that all they do is provide them with fine motor involving baking does that yeah but yeah it does make sense yeah but it, it's quite i agree with you like obviously I've, I've i've looked at it as well and i find it I find it interesting, I think. I think that that's as good a word as any, I think. Um, it's an interesting idea, and I think, to be honest, I'd probably like to see how it actually, you know, works across over time to have a, like you say, to have a look at, at how they support the children to take each step and to develop each skill to achieve, to achieve that end goal um, for all, obviously, for, for the majority of them. Um, obviously some of them you know are a little bit more straightforward it was like the one the other one is like write the first two letters of your name but so but a couple of them you know like you say following a bed roll is following a recipe is, is a little bit more random and yeah I'm not really sure how how I feel about it either I think it's one of them that when you look at it documented like that it can feel quite abstract and I think I'd really want to sort of see you know over time how how, how it works and how much time you spend focusing on it and, and how it works with with the sort of the mixture of children that you'll have in there as well you know the the different age groups of, of the children that you'll have yeah um, and it and... does it does say in the document which is why i would encourage people to read it fully because um it's it is a lot bigger than what i've what i've explained they are the key sort of end goals but he does do, talk about how this has been made with the particular children in their area in mind so it's not something that he's saying you can copy and paste he also talks about a lot to do with how many of the children live in overcrowded housing so one of them is obviously to be able to ride a bike and they um lend out bikes to families um but this is based on the fact that they you know these children aren't going out and getting as much physical you know gross motor skill um development 
like you know we take our children out on the weekends but he knows that in this area there might not be those opportunities so that's why that's one of their um, end goals so he does talk about that and he also talks about things like um children with complex needs they might not be able to tolerate the feel of flour and water and mix it together so there are alternatives um along the way and also they would see it as strong progress if they could then tolerate that at the end of the year so they wouldn't be saying they didn't make a bread roll at the end of the year they'd be saying look at where they started and look at where they are now so it is much wider than that but um it's interesting um i'm not sure how i feel about it as a practitioner who um has you know got an ethos rooted in in the moment because i feel like it might make some people want to focus only on those end goals and and is that a good thing yeah i think like you said that that that's the risk isn't it is that because you've got you know for want of a better phrase you've got your own versions of elgs for for the class whether or not you would have some practitioners or all the setting who might just potentially decide to you know for one again one of a better phrase to teach to that you know to ensure that the children are able able to do it by the end as opposed to as opposed to supporting them that's why i think it'd be interesting to sort of see how how it would all work over time and and as the children come and go and new starters come in and all that like how 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 does it work from that point of view because obviously to achieve any of them uh, any of them goals there's multiple skills that they're developing in that isn't there um so so I'm assuming, I don't know, and you might know, um, that he has a cohort that starts at the same time and ends at the same time, because I obviously in my setting don't. Yeah. Um, So I think that it would be very difficult in some ways to do that. But then I suppose you've got longer, your children that start later, you probably got a bit longer with, I'm not sure. Um, The only other thing I was going to say is I do quite, obviously... I don't know if I what I think. I don't love it. I don't hate it, but I can see like benefits of it. So one of the benefits that I do like about it is I think that it makes it very clear to less qualified and less experienced staff what the outcomes are at the end and what they're working towards. Um, but again, I think it just needs to be managed carefully. But then that's the same argument within the moment planning because one of the biggest weaknesses, I think, within the moment planning is if you haven't got very skilled practitioners, they struggle within the moment. So I do wonder if maybe there could be a happy balance between these two things if they worked well, like if you found the right formula. But I don't know. Um. Anyway... And obviously I encourage you to go and read that yourselves um but I just wanted to share another Dr Julian Grenier's blog is really um insightful and he has lots of information on there and he shared a um guest blog and I can't remember the name of the lady um but we will link to it below um and what she had created was for her cur- curriculum is the idea of skills map um, which I thought was really interesting because it's about progression and what comes next rather than the age bands. So again, obviously, if you haven't seen it, I'll try and explain it to you. But she's created sort of A4, um, like an A4 piece of paper split into eight boxes. And then each box um, 
like follows from the next. So one's about using scissors. So the first box says, uses two hands to open and close scissors. And then the next step in the progression map would be holds the scissors with, with the thumb and the finger. And then the next step is just chopping scraps. And then it moves on until they can basically cut a circle. Um, that would be like the final step. And she's done this for mark making as well. So that one starts off with scribbling and then um, making enclosed shapes. And then it moves on to, you know, more detailed representations of your family. Um, and I think they are quite useful because, again, like I said, it takes away the age bands and focuses more on where on that progression map is the child and what comes after that for that child, what can we work towards. Yeah, you see, obviously, I, I've I've seen these since you shared them with me as well. I actually really like them. Um, as much as anything, again, for the same thing that you said before, for sort of less experienced staff, I think they'd be extremely helpful just just to help them to understand where where children are for the two for two reasons. A, because obviously they, they break down the skill in, into detail, and also P, that I know it sounds it, it sounds daft, but because they've actually got you know photo examples with them as well, because sometimes when you read. Well, yeah, when you're new, you know, when you're new to something and, and you read read it written down, it can be very hard to sort of imagine what that might actually look like. Um, so I I do actually really quite like them. Obviously, the the idea of progression models is something that I I've heard quite a lot um, as to when when you're developing your curriculum, are, are you going to have a are you, is it going to have be a progression model, and are you going to demonstrate what progress you, you, you want to make like you say bro broken down and i think especially when you've got quite a big age range um in your setting i think it can be help helpful to have that again i f also like it because it's not got with it ages because obviously yeah. then as soon as you as soon as you go down that route you're then going down the whole idea of, of a children behind the on track and, and all of that and and the issues that that come with us you know that level kind of detailed assessment and the issues that, that we had certainly prior to september um with the way that the way that the old development matters was used in in that whole tick list idea um so yeah no i i, I do really like them but also i think it, it's also probably helpful just to help again support staff who might not have a fantastic understanding of child development to understand to provide opportunities to support the children to make that progress towards you know what whatever the skill is um it's like with the um, mark making so obviously a lot of children will start off scribbling we we all know that yeah. um and then i think that like i personally probably don't then give enough time for the doing simple shapes i just sort of move on to drawing a person and say like you need a circle for the head and then um instead of so i sort of skip steps um just accidentally because i don't think about it so i think that they would be useful with enough that the only thing is with them is these have been created by somebody she has um i have spoken to it and she said obviously a lot of um research went into them um but to have it for every skill um it would need more research and more people getting on board i think with with telling you like where you go next um and how that could look and just wanted to point out that it is a similar concept to what um, Sheringham Nursery are doing because even though theirs is like, you know, follow a recipe to break bread, that does talk about, if you look at it, the steps that it needs to get there. So it is a similar 
thing, if you know what I mean. A similar yeah. sort of underlying ethos to them both. Yeah, like, yeah, the whole, obviously, again, it's, it's the whole idea of, of, pro, of the children making the progress, isn't it? And, and developing the skills, skills that they require to, to achieve what, whatever that end goal is. And, and yeah, yeah, uh, I'm probably the same as you, to be fair, in terms of, you know, you, you do, I think if, if things aren't broken down for you, you can end up missing stages, can't you? You can, you know, easily get to, you know, a, a child will go, can go very quickly from, like you say, making, making drawing lines and making very basic shapes on a, on a bigger picture to draw in the, you know, fried egg person. You could go very quickly to that, can't they? Um, and then, you know, may, maybe then you don't give them enough time time to do the things in between. Obviously, yeah, to have one of these for every skill would be, would require a lot of effort and would require a lot of work from people. Um, but again, it's certainly something that I think, I think would be helpful because again, when you're supporting staff who, who come in, who, Need, need to know that that level of child development where, where where's that knowledge coming from i think you know wh- when you're asking them to understand your curriculum and you're talking to them about that they they need to have a strong understanding of of what comes next in what, whatever form that is and they need to get that information from somewhere and i think if we're not care that my only reservation with the whole idea of, of us developing our own curriculum is that if the staff haven't got that basic fundamental child development knowledge, then it can be really, really challenging to ensure that the children are getting the support that's required. Yeah, because you fall into the trap that it could become everyday adult directed. This is what we're learning because at the end, I want you to be able to bake a bread roll, just using the example. Um, and we need to remember that children also need time to freely explore. And you're going to get some children who aren't interested in doing that. And just because they can't do that at the end doesn't mean that they still haven't found all of those other skills from doing something else um, that they enjoy doing more. Um, but I think that it's, it's, it's food for thought because I always think that what's really interesting about reading what other people do, and obviously Dr. Julie is very intelligent he knows his stuff when it comes to early years and he does have a very different approach i think to sort of in the moment i feel like you've got in the moment approach and you've got all the sort of people who are very much that way and then you do have people like dr julian grenier who um sort of says well there is other ways and there's nothing wrong with doing more adult directed stuff and there's he also obviously values play um, i think it's interesting to have that other side to things because it does give you a little bit of food for thought and i think that um having some sort of curriculum where you have got end goals could be interesting to explore um but i don't know it's it's just one of those things i think you have to think about your area because they always say this as well i've got obviously i work in three settings um one of the settings is in a more privileged area where the children have a lot of um you know they're just a lot more privileged and um they have a lot more access to what they go and do at weekends with the families and and things like that and those children work really well within the moment and i find that they all leave me definitely school ready we're not going 
Yeah. But you know what you would want them to be school ready. They go, they go like that. But then the other two settings are inner city settings, and these children don't have as many opportunities. And there's you know huge speech and language delays. There are lots of children with English and additional language, and those children do um, respond better to adult directed um, activities, and and. It's something that I never thought personally I would say. Yeah, I think like we've we've touched on this previously, haven't we? Like finding that balance between in the moment planning and and, and a little bit more adult directed work because obviously when you're doing adult adult led and adult initiated activities, you can potentially support the children to develop knowledge and skills that might not necessarily come up in in the moment and i think it's definitely got its place for that and, like, and also yeah some children require some children want that you know as much as they require it as well some children want that and i think it, it's trying to strike that balance between the two like you know between completely in the moment and, and maybe a little bit more formal like yeah like, but like I that, also... that model I also think that it's it's not just I don't think again it's not one size fits all so mm-hmm. I don't think that anybody could come up with a curriculum and this is exactly what Dr Julian Grenier has said that would then be a blueprint for another setting I think you've got to read around and take in, into consideration your children I mean one of the biggest flaws I would say in this um curriculum with these sort of end goals is that there isn't really anything about um, people and communities and you know um sort of family it's all like make up your own story write the first two letters of your name um there's nothing really about sort of tackling things around like you know the ideas of like gender and race and stereotypes and things like that so i would say that that's something that's lacking yeah i think that that's obviously the the bell you know one of the main benefits of us us being able to decide what you know our curriculum and what we think is appropriate for our children to learn isn't it that we can we can add you know add aspects to our our curriculum that that might not necessarily be covered anything um covered everywhere else and the fact that it's not sort of there isn't a statutory document out there that we have to follow in the in the sense of the national curriculum being that everyone's obliged to, to do that yeah. so sort of definitely has to do it um so yeah i think that was really important to consider obviously when you are when you're planning your own as well and also like again as you've said it's got to be about your setting it's got to be about your demographic it's got to be about your children the age of your children you know some preschool rooms only have children from three like my preschool i take them from two and so that completely changes many aspects of of what my expectations of children are and the opportunities that i would provide that maybe a preschool down the road that takes them from three wouldn't wouldn't have to provide or, or want to provide either yeah definitely it's it's a big it, i feel like we're trying to say to people, don't worry about the word curriculum because actually you're already doing it. And then at the same time, we're like, this is... <laughs> like, 
it is a big topic, but you are already following a curriculum. So I don't want people to think, oh, now they're talking about progression plans and now they're talking about this is what this person's doing. Because um, even though it's a huge topic, it's also something you're already doing. You will already have a curriculum. Part of your, curric- your curriculum might be in the moment and it's just about explaining that. And I think that as long as you are following the three eyes, then you are following a curriculum. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, people need, hopefully need to try and feel a little bit confident that they just need to be able to talk about what their intentions are rather than worrying about, like we've said already, but writing it down in, in a big, long, detailed document. Every, you know, hopefully everybody, when they're interacting with the children, if someone came and said, well, you know, what what's your intent right now? What are you hoping to achieve right now? What impact do you want to have? That everyone will be able to talk around what they're doing in that moment and it doesn't need to be complicated it doesn't need to be you know sound academic it doesn't need to sound confusing it can ju- it can just literally be the basic of right now i i you know i i want i want the child um, this child to improve their counting you know they're here wanting to count so my intention is that you know hopefully after, after we've had this little interaction that is in the moment their, their, their counting will be a little bit stronger than it was at the start and that's how that it can literally be that simple yeah i agree i i just wrote that i i tried to break it down a little bit and people might find this helpful um that your curriculum is your intention implementation and impact and when we talk about intention we're talking about what we want children to learn and why we want them to learn it and then when we're talking about the implementation we're talking about how we're going to get the children to learn that um and then the impact is obviously when they've made a little bit of progress that has worked so um, all of those things are going to look different to different people um, because my intention might be that I want this child to count to five because they've been showing an interest in numbers and counting to three, let's just say. Um, how I then implement that might look completely different to how you implement that. So somebody might say daily songs with numbers in every day. That's how I've done it. Somebody else might say when they go off and they play, I go and sit with them and then I just build counting into it. And another person might say it's circle time. Do you know what I mean? So there's loads yeah. of different ways of implementing it and it's going to look different for everyone. You've just got to be like um, confident in how you explain that. So what you want the children to learn and why you want them to learn it and how are they going to learn it. And that's your intention your implementation. Um it's not complicated. I just think we overcomplicate everything, just like we probably overcomplicate what curriculum is. Yeah, I think it's dead easy to do that though, as well, isn't it? You know, oh, again, it comes, yeah. comes back to the conversation we had before about you know how, how what to document. Like yeah, that, what we've just said about you don't really need to document your curriculum. Well, you don't really. Like, and do you need to document your planning? No, not really. But do people do it? Yes. Why? Because it just complicates things a little bit and and why not and i think like you say if as a practitioner you know you're you're not doing something with the children for no reason like when when you're playing with the children where you're interacting with the children everything that you do there's a purpose behind it and that purpose is de facto your curriculum and it's just like you say being confident when you're asked to be able to do that and remembering that when somebody comes to you and says what's your curriculum don't freeze and panic just think oh, well, actually, they're just asking me what am I doing and why am I doing it? Yeah, definitely. And it's important to remember that even though there's people who are discussing this and you've got somebody, you know, like 
like Dr. Julian Grenier, who has written up um, a curriculum, we're all still learning and we're all still questioning. So that is a draft curriculum that he's written. Um, and so I assume he's going to see how it works in practice. So I think that you have to remember that things don't have to be set in stone. You can say, let's try this. And if it doesn't work, that it didn't work, but we've, we've, we've given it a go. And, you know, because me and you have a lot of conversations, even the whole point of this podcast really is me and you just have a chat and hash it out and talk about it. Not from a place of really knowing what we're doing or what we intend to do and, and to impart our knowledge, but more of a way to be like, I saw this, what did you think? And you give me your opinion. It gives everybody that opportunity to sort of follow that discussion and, and think of their own questions um, because we, we can't actually look into a child's brain and know exactly what that child thinks all the time. Although that would be much easier, especially when you've got two-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like you say it, it's about the bouncing those ideas off each other isn't it and having a look at that and considering the different ways that people do things as well and hopefully when people listen to this that you know that they might not necessarily have considered it in the way that we have and they might consider it another way and if they do it'd be good to hear from them as to how they've how they're you know they're considering their curriculum and how they're implementing the curriculum in their setting let's say i've had loads of people come you know and, and ask me well have you got, I've started to write my curriculum document of you, you know, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you mine. And, and like, it isn't suitable for everybody and, and what everyone wants the children to achieve and, and wants them to do, as we say, to be that joyful phrase, which we won't go into, but while everyone want, you know, wants their children to, to look when they leave their setting is, is different based upon a, a multitude of different factors and it's exactly the same in reception as well um and you know again it, the you know the new development matters is there like you say as a guide it's non-statutory it isn't something that you have to follow but it is there to support and you know it is made it usually julian grenny said loads doesn't he that he doesn't want it to be a tick list he doesn't want it to be a checklist like the old one was where even though it wasn't the intention, it over time just became yeah. that you looked at it and everyone used that as the gospel and treated it as that, you know, that you couldn't possibly deviate away from from <laughs> following those rigid steps because that's what you had to do. And it doesn't matter where that idea came from, but that that's how it was perceived. Yeah, and, and obviously he said about the new development matters that it's the floor, not the sky. So it's just basically a tool for checking in and ensuring that you're sort of covering all the areas but it is just very much a base for you to build on as a you know as a practitioner as a setting um so i, I really do like that quote it's it's not the floor it's the sky it's not the, it's the floor oh my gosh <laughs> what's the saying you say it it's the floor not the sky oh I tell you what i'm ready for christmas <laughs> <laughs> not long to go just getting it completely wrong i'm like you yeah. must follow it step by step because it is the sky <laughs> oh, i tell you what we'll get there so obviously we've just sort of gone over like a uh, hundred million different things but like just from our discussion and like what you've been reading what what are your thoughts actually for you and your setting on what you're going to do? Like, or are you not going to do anything at all? Like what's your sort of in your heart, what do you think you're going to do or not do? I'm not planning on documenting it. If I'm completely honest, um, 
because I just foresee that being a time-consuming process that would just involve you doing a document that would go in the cupboard and no one's ever really going to read from cover to cover and, and it changes all the time. And, and, and I like the idea of, of the skills maps that we've seen. I would definitely be interested in seeing some more of them and, and not not following them formally, but just to help support the children. I think that, you know, I would hope that the majority of my staff and my team know what our expectations are of the children and know what we what our curriculum is, even if they haven't ever considered calling it a curriculum prior to September. I would hope that they, they would know because they would see day to day what what we want the children to do um, and help to the progress we want them to make and how we want to support their development. The big thing for me as you know, my role as, as a manager and, and in the setting is that I want to use this as an opportunity to really support the staff to have a really good knowledge of child development, forgetting the whole age band thing. Like I do quite like the fine development matters, the age bands are so broad, you know, birth to three, three to four, four to five, you know, the minute detail of months. Um, so I really want my, my staff just to have a, an understanding of what that development is. And obviously, like I said, the, the skills that would step through that. I Yeah, I'm not planning on, on writing a, a, a document similar to what Julian Greddy has done. Whether or not that will change at some point, I don't know. It might do, but I just think right now it would be something that would take that much time to sit mm. down and, and thrash out. You know, you can have those conversations with your staff and, and ensure that they fully understand that. As the you know, because it's a pro like and like any I know it sounds daft, but any progression model it is a pro progression model. So it's something where you know the, what the children are doing now. You're constantly talking to the staff, you know, to your team about right now. You know, oh, oh, you know, that little Johnny is doing this. So oh, that we can provide this enhancement. We can do this to this area. We can provide this learning opportunity to help them make that step. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just exactly what we've been doing before. And, I, and my main concern about this is that it's actually just been adding pressure to people. And it's actually because you've thrown the word curriculum out there, just made people blind panic. I've seen it when I've had those conversations with staff and been like, right, we need, yeah, and you need to be confident with the word curriculum because when someone comes in, they're going to ask what the curriculum is. And it's actually basic, but you just need to understand it. Are you yeah. planning on what, what's your plan? Um, I mean, right now, all I can think about is cheese and crackers <laughs> because it's nearly Christmas. That's so, bad. literally, I could not give a toss about curriculum. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, right now, I'm doing nothing because I don't care anymore. Um, but I think in January, I'm going to have a little sit down with my team um, at each setting and I'm going to like, I'm just going to have a little chat with them and see what what we think because I don't want to go and do a full-on um, curriculum. Like, I don't want to have full-on curriculum goals like the the uh, document from Sheringham Day Nursery. But equally, there are areas of it that I really do like um, because I just feel like it does target quite a lot of things in a very nice, neat way. But it's not something I do. It's really hard. I don't know. I don't know. It, I don't know. But it's I really think hard, that, isn't it? 
I'm quite happy with what I do at the moment and that I understand what my curriculum is at the moment. And if I do decide to try something out, like progression, like a progression map or document, I think that um, I would do it as sort of a trial on the side. So when I introduced in the moment planning at my setting, um, it was very much a, let's just give it a go for four weeks and if we hate it or we need to change it, then we will. It's not set in stone. And I think I'd do a similar thing with this. I wouldn't suddenly go, right, guys, I've made this big document and we're following this forever. It would be, let's give this a go and see what we think. Um, but no, I think for now, I'm just going to stick to what I know and what I do. Yeah, like you said, I think it's not too you know for from our time for our for our settings the way that we've worked it's not too dissimilar for what you've done before is it i think maybe for some settings the whole idea of of, of having a curriculum might might be sort of a, a big leap but i don't think it is too big a jump for, for a... um yeah. do you have any recommendations other than what we've already discussed this week um, I did see a really good video on YouTube and it was um, Jan Dubial and it was on building a meaningful curriculum for every child and it was on the family, as in F-A-M-L-Y. Um, obviously, we'll link it below. Um, but that was interesting to listen to, um, especially if you short on time. It wasn't very long. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a few, I think. I've seen some stuff, and obviously the guy we've mentioned a lot, Julian Grady, he's done quite a, some stuff with, with family as well. I think that's over on their YouTube, um, which just answers, you know, questions on, on all sorts to do with the new um, EYFS, but obviously as well, as well, curriculum being one of them. Yeah. Have you got any others? Um, I don't, I would, he's also written the book, hasn't he, which I'm working with the new framework, which is actually pretty helpful. Um, you can access that free online. I'll, I'll find a link for the PDF of that. But there's a, a, a couple of chapters in there on curriculum and also on pedagogy. But the curriculum one is, is quite interesting and does sort of break it down quite simply. It's, it's some of that I've put out in our in our uh, CPD library at work, you know, just for the staff to have a, have a little look through. Uh, because also it, it may help understand. It sort of helps break down and, and maybe understand a little bit more the purpose behind the change in the new development matters when obviously maybe a lot of people might not be too relevant to them now, but certainly prior to September, it really helps, I think, to yeah. clarify to staff why, why the change had been made. Yeah, I think it's still got some interesting points in there. Um, and I'm going to refresh myself on the curriculum chapter. Um, but yeah, other than that, on curriculum, I don't really have any other recommendations. Um Again, go and check out the blog posts because you can actually see what I was describing to you, those progression maps, you can actually go and see if they probably make more sense if you look at them. Yeah, it's always hard to describe a, to describe a, a chart or something audio, isn't it, when you can't see yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, they make more sense. Well, if, if we've not got anything else, then obviously, yeah. Thank you very much for today and we will we'll be back in uh, in a couple of weeks. Yep, see you all soon. Bye. Bye.